welcome to the Of The Earth podcast. This is a place where we take time from our busy lives to remember the planet we're living on, the relations that support us, and our sense of belonging as children of this beautiful earth. I'm your host, Mariana Rittenhouse. Simply put, I'm a woman who sees life where others don't and teach humans to do the same. I do this by leading tea ceremonies, teaching personal tea ritual, and mentoring women in their spiritual reawakening to the earth. I created the Of The Earth podcast to re-inspire your innate connection to Mother Nature, so you can find deeper meaning in life and truly remember why you're here. Because even if you don't believe it, you belong. You really do. Thank you so much for being, and thank you for being here. Let's dig into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Of the Earth. Welcome back, loves. I'm excited to be here with you today. It's been a few weeks, and that's because it's been a hectic few weeks in my life. I was at a workshop and then followed by a little travel to see my friends and their new baby, which was so fun. Uh, I love all of the new babies in my life. There's a few of them and they're so cute and I just want to eat them all up. (laughs) And the truth is watching their parents be so present and loving to them is just the sweetest ever. I love I love this new style of parenting that I'm seeing in so many of my communities. It's just so present and so attuned to the child's needs. It's just really, really cool to watch. And then my boyfriend was in town visiting, followed by my mom and her best friend from Venezuela who came by. I mean, I literally dropped off my boyfriend and then picked my mom and her best friend up at the airport at the same time. So it has been full on. And, you know, even though it's been crazy, I'm so grateful for this life that allows me to be present in these moments when I'm with my loved ones. It means I get to truly receive the blessings of community and of family because it really is a blessing. You know, even and how hectic these weeks were, I felt so good all the time. And to have these people that whether it's through birth or through culture or your chosen family that you get to spend time with and they're present with you. And, you know, we really get to spend this quality time together. It's just so special. And so I hope you got to do the same during this holiday week. Um. We in the United States had 4th of July, and actually all of my cultures have a national day this week. Um, In Hong Kong, where I was raised, it's July 1st, and in Venezuela, it's July 5th, also my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Leah. (laughs) And then the U.S. is, of course, July 4th. So lots of holidays this week. Hmm. You know, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but... It's a funny coincidence because the topic of today's podcast is freedom. And I don't really know if I truly associate what I believe to be freedom with Independence Days. I mean, Hong Kong isn't even an Independence Day. I think it's an, I think they call it an Establishment Day. I guess that's what happens when 
uh, place gets given from one colonizer to another versus <laughs> getting its independence. Um, but yeah, you know, the freedom is definitely a big part of people's lives this week. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Freedom. What a complex topic. (laughs) It's a concept that humans have literally been killed over or killed each other over throughout so much time. I'm not going to say all time because it's not true, but so much time, including this day and age. And it's something that most humans seek but don't ever find. I feel when I think of that, like not ever finding it, I think of those stories you hear of people on their deathbeds wishing that they'd live their lives differently, wishing that they hadn't done what they were told to do, but rather lived in a line, lived a life that was in deeper alignment with who they truly are and what they truly wanted. And it's a concept that's just been distorted beyond measure. It feels like one of those words that's even hard to define due to its complexity. Like, what does freedom mean? Freedom. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's just, it's a complex one. So either way, I decided to look it up officially for today's conversation. And so the Oxford Dictionary defines freedom as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. It's an interesting definition, this one. I love how it's like, or the right to. So, you know, you might have the right to, but does that mean you actually receive the freedom? No. But, you know, this this definition covers the right of our mind, our body, our voice to express without condition. And I do want to note that this isn't actually something that we have in this culture world right now. There are conditions on our behavior, and we know this to be true. So even a place, even in a place where freedom is supposedly the utmost value, like here in the United States, we have a system that dominates and controls us and tells us what we can or cannot do in exchange for what they determine is freedom, right? So, I mean, these are like laws. Laws are constraining your actions. And so you get to be free in like the system of oppression or dominance's view of what freedom is. And then there's a sneaky part of the definition which is this part about without hindrance or restraint. And when I read that, I have a question come up immediately, which is, do we even know when we're being hindered or restrained? My feeling and my experience is that we don't. Here's the thing. We've, we live in a world where we've been trained and conditioned from birth. Our unique blueprints have been neglected. You know, we don't come into this earth and people are like, oh, who are you? They're like, this is who you are to be. And, you know, we're educated in a system whose goal is for us to be uniform. We don't have 
Like even if you just thought about your regular schooling, we don't have a choice in the subject matters we learn. We're essentially standardized from a young age to all know the same things and to all have the same skills. And then we're rewarded when we meet the standards this society sets for us. So even just, again, thinking about it with school, if I get straight A's and good grades, then I'm rewarded. I'm affirmed. I might be given literally a prize for my parents. And if I don't, if I perform poorly at school, I might get grounded, which is literally not allowed to physically leave my house, right? So it's a literal freedom is taken away from me. And so if I'm trained to be good and perfect and rewarded and affirmed for meeting all of these goals, all these societal goals, do I really know what I want? Do I really know what I like or even who I am? Or am I just trying to get the next treat society has laid out for me? And is this why so many of us are miserable even when we reach these destinations or goals that our parents and culture have told us are the best, have told us to achieve? You know, they say, well, when you get this, when you achieve this, you will be happy, you will be free. But are we actually free? I mean, seriously, what is freedom when we don't even get to be who we are? And I mean, I get riled up on this topic because I am one of those people who did the right things and achieved the things and suffered greatly for it. And so it can look amazing on the outside, but just time and time again, we hear about it in our culture of people making it to the top and being unhappy, feeling Yeah, feeling forced and imprisoned in their lives. Feeling overwhelmed and with too much pressure. So seriously, who cares about those things if we don't even get to be who we are? Freedom is our birthright. And one of the few things that we come into this world with. It's funny when you think about it because the earth provides us with everything we need. Everything we need comes from the earth. And with that, we have everything that we need to be free. We have everything that we need to live, to thrive, to survive, to be happy, to be creative. But the thing is that we're humans. (laughs) And humans make things complicated. Humans like power and control. And honestly, we can be a little lazy or a lot lazy. (laughs) So we find shortcuts that century over century have led us into this human-centered society where we actually cannot remember and do not know how to survive without the conveniences that we have created for ourselves. And thus, we are not free. We are domesticated. Many years ago, I was listening to an episode of the Stuff You Should Know podcast about animal domestication. And I never, you know, this has stayed with me over all of the years. I remember 
I was listening on my phone in the subway, (laughs) going to work, New York City. I must have been, gosh, it must have been like 11 years ago now or something. I couldn't have been, I couldn't have even been 24. (laughs) But it really stayed with me. And um, this is because they gave a definition of animal domestication. And they said that if an animal can survive in the wild without any human intervention, so that means without our trash, without our without anything human, then it's considered wild. And if it cannot, then it's considered domesticated. And an interesting note for all you cat people out there <laughs> is that most domestic cats can actually survive without us, so they're not technically domesticated. And if you compare that to many breeds of dogs who can no longer survive in the wild without human society, it's like they are domesticated. And of course, a lot of the dog species I'm speaking to are more of those, the bred ones um, that have really been bred to be domesticated. But when we look at animals, we can really think like, can this animal survive on its own or not? And that's actually the difference between domestication and wild. And so as I said, this definition and this episode, it really stuck with me. And as I was reflecting on this episode, I realized, wow, we can actually apply that to humans with ease. We are domesticated AF. (laughs) You know, I'm working on rewilding myself, as I'm sure many of you are too. Um, I'm learning about more plants and what we can eat in the wild. I'm learning about birds and animals and just deepening my awareness and presence when I'm outside. Um, I'm going camping more, gardening. A few years ago, I chopped down a tree with an axe and turned it into firewood. (laughs) That was hard. Um, But yeah, let's be honest. I do not yet know how to survive without a grocery store. I don't know how to survive with so many of the conveniences that I have. And I always say that this is a great time to start practicing because best to learn when we don't need it yet than in a dire situation. So I'm happy to learn how to grow food now versus (laughs) if we one day don't have a grocery store. But when I think about this inability to survive as a human on this planet, It's scary that that's true. And every time in my life that I've been fed up and felt used and overwhelmed and overworked in this crazy world and just wanted to quit and give up and leave society, I've realized quite quickly that I can't. I don't have the skills. I don't have the community. And... I don't have the way. I think this is why so many of us are trying to remember right now. We're trying to go back and remember how to live in a way that is truly free. Because it feels like the only way to get out of this rat race that we've created. You know, I say that I can't survive without a grocery store, but what that actually means is I can't survive without money. And with if I need money, then I've got to work. And our society requires us to work a lot. In the Paleolithic age, people worked on average 18 hours a week in order to meet their survival needs. 
And what I find truly fascinating is that as humans left fully earth-based ways of living and moved into societies or empires or whatever you want to call it, essentially humans moved into a way of living that was where they were controlled by a larger centralized governing body. So you can think of this as like the Roman Empire or the Aztec Empire or the Mayan Empire, whatever. Um, The hours of work increased dramatically. So I will note that they might not be working 365 days a year. They might be working less than that. Um, But when you look at the amount of time, it goes up from three hours a day to like eight or 10 hours a day. And that's a lot. That is a lot. And, and, and I mean, that's kind of what we're required to work now. And so if, when we think about it, literally, the more we leave the earth, the more we leave an earth-based way of living and move towards a human-centered society, the more we have to work and the less we get to play. And just to like speak to this Paleolithic age um, and to define it properly, that's more hunter-gatherers. The difference between hunter-gatherers and then maybe more of an agrarian society is that hunter-gatherers worked all year round, less time, and they followed the rhythms of the earth. Whereas the second we start farming or staying in one place, we now need to in some way control what's happening on the earth to suit our survival needs. Okay, so for example, hunter-gatherer, they will follow where the food is. And they'll follow that seasonally. They'll follow herds of animals. They'll know where the plants grow naturally, etc. The second we start saying, okay, I'm going to have a farm and I'm going to start planting seeds. And so instead of going to where the plants are naturally living and thriving, I'm actually going to manipulate that and create a little farm. We, we need to start like bringing water there and, and just shifting things, right? Humans are creating an imprint, an impact in that way. And agrarian societies, they, those are ones that won't work all year round, but they tend to work longer days. They tend to work a lot more in the times of farming. Okay, so that's just a little bit of a of for you to think of when I'm talking about those 18 hours a week. It's more for the hunter-gatherer lifestyle. So we're just kind of going with the flow of the earth versus manipulating something to meet a way of life that's more human-centered. Okay. The other thing that I really love about this Paleolithic era is that the first signs of art and music and culture were actually the result of having so much free time during the Stone Age. So these 18 hours a week, which is, you know, quite easeful, um, gave humans time to be creative. And when I think of that in our life now, so many of us wish that we had the time to be creative, but instead we're working all day and night on things that we're not necessarily passionate about. 
We work hard so we can have the money to buy stuff that we don't really need. And the truth is our fulfillment would be easier found in creating them ourselves and working less and creating more. So a side note on that is it's definitely something I've noticed in my bead weaving. I um, have recently started making beaded earrings and different patches and different things like that, and um, which I learned on a retreat in Colombia that I throw every year. We have one coming up in February 2024, so you should totally join us if you're interested. Um, but I noticed that when I go buy a pair of earrings it feels good for about 20 minutes and then I'm looking for the next thing. But weaving a pair of earrings feels good for the weeks that it takes me to make them. And it's fun. And now I go into shops and I look at earrings and I'm so uninspired. Like I can make something and I get to be creative and I don't have to, I'm not all of a sudden spending all this money to buy something, but actually getting this much deeper, deeper fulfillment in the creative spirit of my humanity. And so I've reflected on these metrics a lot in my personal life. As a part of my desire to align with an earth-based way of living, I look at that 18 hours a week and hold it as a target. And it's not a target to work less than 18 hours a week. It's about actually working the 18 hours a week. I want that balance and I want to exert a more natural amount of work like I say that and more nature based, whatever amount of work than, than what was asked of me as a child and what's been asked of me as an adult. And then with my spare time, I try to do other things that humans living connected to the earth would do. So I might create or cook or be outside or garden and whatever, maybe even be bored. Right? I don't have to fill my time with things. Maybe I'll just be bored. And that's okay. That's a part of living connected to the earth. But unfortunately, <laughs> working less isn't going to give me all of the skills I would actually need to survive on my own and truly live earth-based. It's still a way of working within the system. It's maybe going to help me have a way of life that feels more free and that, hmm, how do I say this? That like starts to spark remembrance in me. Maybe it starts to spark my ancestral knowing as I spend less of my time working in a traditional way and more of my time being creative or being outside or learning more about the earth. But it's still definitely in the system. And whenever I get to that place when I'm wishing that I could just leave it all behind, <laughs> this horror sets in. Right? This horror sets in when I realize that I actually have no way of survival on my own. I have no tribe to look after me. I have no idea how to hunt or grow or forage food. And I freak out. And in my past, I would then double down in getting my needs met by this extractive society that doesn't really care about my well-being. Have you been there too? <laughs> I'm sure so many of us can relate to this. We're like, we think it could be different. And then there's this truth of the obstacle and 
it's like, oh shit. Okay. Maybe I'll just get really good at the system. It's the worst. It's the worst. But what it really shows me is that we're not free. We are not free. We're just trading in the skills that we have for a sense of security. And that's something that I realized preparing for this podcast is that freedom, it's not a way of life in our modern world. Instead, we use freedom as kind of like this energetic currency that requires self-abandonment in exchange for security. Does that make sense? These, we have these skills that we're, that literally we're literally trained in through schooling from childhood. And we trade those for the sense of security, for this feeling that if I have enough money, then I can support myself, then I can survive on my own. And it's creating these like more isolated communities, more isolated families, more isolated individuals as we're just, you know, making enough money to survive on our own. And the funny thing is that these systems of oppression, they only trained us in the skills that would benefit this oppressive system. So they trained us in how to be good workers and money earners, right? They didn't train us in something else. And so when we double down and, okay, let me go to how I know how to survive, it's in that trading in my freedom for security. It's that energetic exchange with the systems of dominance. You got to give them a round of applause. Genius. They met their needs. They got me. They got you. They got us. But my spirit is still wild AF and so is yours. And I truly believe that we'll get there together. We're not dumb. We're building awareness. We've been in many generations of moving forward and moving back to the earth and moving away from these systems. If you're someone who cares about that right now in life, you're not the first in your, in your family to do that. It's been happening. It's been happening over time. And now it's expressing more through you. And so we are going to get there together. We're here to find our way home, back to the earth. I believe in me. I believe in you. I believe in us. Truly, 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 we're going to get there. Each of us doing our own little part and sharing and learning from each other and showing up in our own freedom heals all of us. And there is no other way. We have to do it together because living with the earth requires community. Not just human community, but all of our relations in this web of life. Our human society talks about codependence and independence, right? So it's either I'm codependent with the systems or I'm independent from them. But neither of those is natural. This world runs on interdependence. Interdependence, defined by Oxford Dictionary as the, the dependence of two or more people or things on each other. So we could also look at this as mutual dependence. We're not the only ones who have needs. 
all life has needs. And when we meet each other's needs freely, we are free. When we benefit the whole, we are free because we're a part of the whole. We're not separate from it. So when I show up in what's best for all life, I show up for my life. That's freedom. To say it more esoterically, we live in a world where every living being is rooting for us. Even in their death, they are conspiring for us to live and succeed and thrive and be great. We live in a world where survival is not of the fittest, but rather it's mutually beneficial to all life. Life is conspiring. Life is conspiring for our greatness, for our benefit. And we've forgotten that. When we're conditioned to believe that we have to do it all alone, or that we're against each other, dog eat dog, or even we have to do it within only our human society, we're turning our back on the joy of freedom and the nourishment of support that comes from remembering we're on a planet with billions of other beings who are also surviving and thriving with us, not apart from us, but with us. And we're really rejecting the blessing of freedom that was bestowed upon us by the creator. Whoever you believe that to be, we came here free. So when I think of freedom, when I think, when I reflect on myself, am I acting from a space of freedom? I look for three qualities and they're kind of the benchmark to see if I'm if I am acting freely or not. The first is unconditionality. So is there a condition that is impacting my decision? Am I afraid that I'll lose something by acting in alignment with myself? People-pleasing is something that falls into that. Um, It's like if I behave a certain way, then you will be kind to me or you will do what I want. So there's a condition that's set forth from someone else. The second that I look for is neutrality. So do I feel neutral in my actions? When I'm not neutral, it's usually a hook that's coming from me rather than from outside of myself. So non-neutrality may look more like a strong attachment to the outcome meaning I might be trying to manipulate someone outside of myself, control the situation, manipulate what they decide. (laughs) Uh, And whereas when I'm neutral, I feel trusting of life. I feel surrendered. I feel my free will and other people's free will. And I don't feel like I'm trying to control anything. I'm open. And then the third is sovereignty. And this is, am I making my decisions and acting from a place that's in alignment with my desires, my values, my vision? Or again, am I people-pleasing? Am I collapsing? Am I fawning to be who I think I should be rather than who I am? Do I have my autonomy? And so it's those three things that I look for 
Again, unconditionality, neutrality, and sovereignty. And to me, these are all very loving ways of being. Very loving. Sometimes they don't feel loving, (laughs) but they're loving. Because freedom, it's not about getting what you want. It's about unhooking from the conditions and these forces of control that keep you trading your truth to the highest bidder. And when you're not acting from a place of unconditionality, neutrality, or sovereignty, you're not free. You're just trading. And the truth is, freedom and self-abandonment cannot coexist. No, no matter how much you've been taught otherwise, they cannot coexist. And freedom is not the result of self-abandonment. They are actually opposites. So this is where I'm going to stop today. I decided to make this a two-parter. And we'll explore more of this in next week's episode where I'll talk about the mechanics of freedom or lack thereof in modern society. So what it actually looks like when we're in this uh, energy exchange and trading our freedom for something, for security or something else. And I'll also share some experiences from my own life about how I've unhooked from my codependent patterns, both in work and in love, to find a deeper sense of meeting, a deeper sense of freedom, a deeper sense of autonomy in my life. It's going to be juicy, (laughs) but this topic was just too big to be contained in just one episode. So if you want some homework this week, before we get to next week's episode, I highly recommend spending some time reflecting on your actions and decisions to see if you are acting from a place of freedom or not. You make choices all day, every day. So how are you doing? And can you test it out and see what is it like if I make the free choice? What's the impact? What actually happens? And if you feel like you don't have freedom, ask yourself, what are you afraid to lose or stand to gain by choosing one action over another? You can reflect on, are you limiting yourself to only the options at hand? Or is there a way that you can be proactive? Maybe there's another way that doesn't require self-abandonment. But again, I'm really going to encourage you to, in little ways, with people that you trust and love, where even if you feel insecure, you kind of know like this person really cares about me, so they're probably not going to do the worst case scenario. Just try. Try and make decisions freely with them and see what the outcome is. I've found that most people show up for you. It just requires you giving them the opportunity to. But when you do, most people show up. And so test it out in little ways and see how it goes. And of course, please share your reflections in the comments on Substack. I'd love to hear what you come up with because as I've already mentioned, we heal together. And so your experiences are not only valuable to me, but valuable to others. All right. I hope that this was helpful. I hope it's given you some food for thought. 
And I'm sending you so much love and see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To stay tuned for future podcasts and new offerings, sign up for my newsletter at marianarittenhouse.com. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear all about it. You can reach me on Instagram at Mariana de la Tierra. That's of the earth in Spanish. Oh, and if you're ever in Boulder, Colorado, you should definitely join us for tea. My students and I serve tea ceremonies two to three times a week at my home in the mountains, and we'd absolutely love to have you. You can see the schedule and sign up on the ceremony section of my website. I want to give special thanks to our beautiful Earth Mother and all of our relations for constantly inspiring me and this work. This beautiful podcast music was created by Castanea David Brown. As always, thank you for being, and thank you for being here. Until next time.